Today's episode is called Endings Matter. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. I was listening to a podcast while I was exercising the other day, and it was about King Saul and David. And what happened that one day, that chance meeting in the cave. So just to give you a little uh, background in case you're not familiar with this account in the Bible, David had been a shepherd. And one day he went to see his brothers who were in King Saul's army. And he went to visit them. And there was this man, Goliath, who is this huge behemoth of a man. And he was taunting Israel. And the men of Israel were just shaking in their boots. They were sitting in the valley listening to this and they were just absolutely devastatingly terrified no one knew it knew what to do Goliath was over nine feet tall and no one wanted to go out and face him and so David came and he said well I'll go fight Goliath and he did and he was this little boy he was not very tall he couldn't even wear King Saul's armor so we know he was smallish in appearance. And so he went out and he defeated Goliath and helped Israel have a great victory over the Philistines that day. And after that, David sort of went to serve King Saul. And so he went to war and God gave him great success in all that he did. He had defeat after defeat of Israel's enemies and he became pretty popular. Now, somewhere along the line, God anointed him to be the next king of Israel. Saul was incredibly jealous of David, in part because the women of Israel made up these songs and really celebrated David and who he was. And Saul saw that as a put down. But also in part, because most kings want to defend the throne. And Saul was no Um, no exception to that. So here he had this son who no doubt he wanted to be the next king of Israel. And that wouldn't happen if David became the next king of Israel. So to preserve the throne, preserve his name, to make his name great, uh, he just had to get rid of one person. And that would be David, the people, uh, the man who the people loved and who God had given his favor to and had actually anointed. So because of this, David had to finally eventually go on the run. So he had to leave the presence of King Saul. He had to go on the run. He was in the desert. He was, um, you know, protecting people's flocks and herds and sort of acting as the defender of Israel on its borders and that type of thing. And Saul decided to chase David and hunt him down. So we had the we have the situation in scripture where David and his men are hiding in a cave. And Saul has to go to the bathroom, so goes into this cave to go to the bathroom. And David's men say, David, look it. Oh my. Here we go. God delivered King Saul into your hands. All you have to do is walk up and kill him. But David didn't do that. He did walk up to King Saul. And he just cut the corner of his robe. And then when Saul was done and went back outside, David came to the edge of the cave and showed him the corner of his robe and said, Look, today I had a chance to kill you, but I didn't do that. 
I preserved your life because I'm not trying to kill you. You are hunting me down. And David showed that he would refuse to take what God wouldn't give. He had an enormous amount of integrity. He understood that God puts people in places of authority. And so he wasn't going to take that authority. He was going to wait for God to give it to him. He had this incredible trust in God. And he understood that God sees the motives. He saw Saul's motives. He saw David's motives. He knew the future and the plans that he had for Saul and that he had for David. He knew what was best in that time, in that place, for both Saul and for David. And David may have even thought, I don't know where Saul's heart is. I don't know if he's right with the Lord. So I dare not take his life not knowing. I don't know that he thought that, but that might have been something that uh, went through his mind. Now, just to let you know, David wasn't squeamish at all about killing the enemies of Israel. So earlier in 1 Samuel, God told him to go fight the Philistines because David had come to him in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and said, you know, the Philistines are attacking Keilah. And he said, what should I do? And God said, go attack them and save Keilah. And that's exactly what David did. He had no problem killing people. He had no problem going against the enemies of Israel. But when God told him, he obeyed. God had anointed David, but he had never said, oh, by the way, you'll be the next king of Israel, so go ahead and go assassinate King Saul. God hadn't told him that. So while David waited for the throne to become his, he just trusted and he refused to usurp the throne and the authority that God had established. Fast forward many years. Saul is long gone. David is the king of Israel. And in 2 Samuel 23, we have a list of David's mighty men. There were 37 of them in all. And we have, uh, in the middle of this list, we have some of their accolades and some of their adventures and how we know that they were mighty men. But 2 Samuel 23, verse 39, at the very end of the list, we see that Uriah the Hittite was one of David's mighty men. And that is what makes it so incredibly sad and detestable. When David went from being unwilling to take what wasn't his to taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of his mighty men, to be with and to impregnate impregnate and And then eventually, in that act, which led to a pregnancy, um, he was willing to take the life of Uriah the Hittite. So how did David go from this incredible man of integrity, who refused to take what wasn't his, to a man who would take another man's wife, and then take another man's life, one of his good, dear friend's life? How did that happen? Well, there's at least three things that led to this. First of all, David got lazy. So we're told that he didn't go off to war with his army. His army was off at war, but he didn't go. He was just coming off 
of his bed. One evening, it says, one evening he arose from bed. So he is lounging around, just hanging out, not worrying about, you know, having to do anything. He, he lost his fervor. He lost his hunger. He had the throne, right? He was, you know, well-loved by the people. He had captured many people. He had defeated enemies and he lost his hunger. He wasn't scrappy anymore. He was just lounging around, you know, being lazy in his bed. Are you making goals? Are you content to sit on your phone? Are you stewarding your time and your talents and your abilities and your money? You have been given these things for this time. Are you getting lazy? Are you content to let let life pass you by? You don't care anymore about having people over because that's way too much work. You don't care anymore about helping out at church because you've got things of your own to do. You don't care anymore about making amends with those people from your past or the family members who haven't talked to you for any amount of time. You just don't care. You've gotten lazy. Is that you? This is our wake-up call to not, not fall into that. That was one thing that we noticed about David. A second thing we noticed is that he didn't listen to the warning of his servant. David said, who is this lovely woman bathing on the roof? And his servant said, is this not the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Every alarm Everything in David should have immediately said, oh, that's who that is. I love Uriah the Hittite. He has risked his life for me many times. He is a strong, courageous, wonderful man of God. I have no business looking at this lady. I'm just going to go inside right now. In fact, where is Uriah? Oh, that's right. He is fighting in the war. Maybe I should also be commanding my troops in the war. But David didn't listen to the warning of his servant. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but whoever keeps company with fools only hurts himself. Look, David had a wise servant there. He just chose not to listen to him because his servant wasn't saying what he wanted him to say. Are you listening to the wise people around you? Or are you going straight into the path of evil because you just don't care. My prayer for my children is constantly, Lord, put godly, wise people around them and help them to listen to them. Very recently, I had a situation. You know, one of those situations that has you up most of the night because it is not a good situation. Something's going on and there's no way you can sleep and you're up praying. And I saw that one of my ministry friends posted something on Facebook in the middle of the night. So I immediately reached out, sent a quick text and said, hey, like the floor is dropping out. Can you please pray? And we just had a few interchanges back and forth. What is it? Who do I need to pray for? What's the gist? And very briefly, very briefly, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Okay, got it. The next day, this ministry friend called and prayed over me, prayed for the situation, advised me. And let me tell you, I hung on his words. It was good advice. 
So much so that I had to follow up with him and say, you know what you told me to do? Remember how you told me to do this and what to say? I did and it changed everything. Look, we are told in the book of James that if we lack wisdom, we can pray to God and he will generously give it to anyone who asks. So our first resort always has to be to pray. So if we're in a situation, we don't know what to do. The problem is we're going to get to this in just a second. A lot of times we don't care about what the right thing to do is. We're like David, just going headstrong and head headlong and feet first, uh, straight towards the evil that we should be avoiding. We need to be praying for wisdom, not just once, but daily. And if you forget to pray for it daily, whenever you do remember, stop right now, pray for wisdom and pray for everyone involved in situations to have God's wisdom. Seek out advice. But when people around you tell you, hey, this does not seem like the right thing to do. Stop. Don't be like David and keep going. Stop. Listen and pray. And the third thing that it seems to me that really led to David's downfall was that he was impetuous. He had no thought for his actions. He had no self-control. Now, there are times when you have to be completely and totally reactive. So if a child falls into a pool or if they're running into traffic, you don't have time to sit and determine if you should be the one to jump in the pool after them or if you should be the one who runs out into traffic to save them. There are times that you just have to act or react, and that's fine. But there are a whole lot of other times that we need to take a hot minute and stop. So somebody does something to you and you are ready to send that text, that scathing text or the Snapchat or the email, stop. Let it go for a day or two. Pray about it. Let the anger pass. Trust me on this one. You will be very happy that you did. Instead of responding angrily when someone in your family or when someone says something over the phone or when you're in a meeting and someone immediately attacks something you said or attacks your character or says, well, this was stupid. Instead of being so quick to just say, well, da 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 stop. Do the whole count to 10. Pray for self-control. Instead of responding angrily with words that you are going to regret, stop. Instead of buying impulsively, stop. Think about it. Pray. Seek advice. This is something my husband has taught me, and it has been a game changer for me because he rarely buys anything on the spot. If we pick something out, he'll say, let's go home and think about it. Let's pray about it a little bit. And if we still want to do this a day or two from now, then we will definitely do it. And that has saved us tons of money because by and large, unless it's something we need or if it's something unless it's something that we were really looking for a lot of times we go home and we're like yeah you know i i probably don't need that so being impulsive is not a good thing for the most part and we have to learn it's a training thing to teach ourselves to stop to wait to not respond and to pray about things and think them through and ask for self control which we get as we are in the word it's a fruit of the spirit that will help us to avoid a whole lot of bad situations. So the bottom line is, we see in David's life, God gave us this beautiful example in the Bible that David had gone from really being able to have this amazing self-control and refusing to take what wasn't his 
to having no self-control and jumping headfirst into a situation that he should have completely and totally avoided. And that should be a lesson to us and an example to us. Because it doesn't matter how you were or where you were in your relationship to the Lord. The question is, where are you today in your relationship with the Lord? Ezekiel 18 um, has, has this. If a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is right and just, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the offenses they have committed will be remembered against them. But if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin and does the same detestable things the wicked person does, will they live? None of the righteous things that person has done will be remembered. Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Now, David had this catastrophic fall with, um, with Bathsheba and killing Uriah, but he did recover. Nathan the prophet came to him. David confessed his sin, and he went on to reach some heights, not the heights that he had in his past, but he did recover. So it's not the end of David's story. David didn't end on the worst part. But it is easy for us to stray. And if we want to finish strong, then we have to keep these things in mind. First, don't lose your vision and don't lose your fervor. You have kingdom work to do. Don't forget that God has plans for you. If he didn't have plans for you, you would already be home with him in heaven. So find out what you should be doing find your purpose, um, respond to the needs in the kingdom of God, and keep going. Don't get lazy with those. Two, surround your people, yourself with people who will instruct you, advise you, inspire you, motivate you, and listen to them. And if you don't have those people in your life right now, if you're looking around at the people that you are spending time with and you think, you know, none of those people really inspire me. None of them really advise me. Um, ask God to give you some friends who will. And you know, sometimes it's just a matter of reaching out. I have had several relationships that have happened because either I have reached out or someone else has reached out to me. And we've become ministry partners and it has been a great experience. Surround yourselves with these kind of people, godly people, who will help you to stay in the word. And then number three, Self-control, self-control, self-control. Stop, count to 10, walk away, think about it for a couple of days, pray, discern what is good before you act. Because this is the thing, it doesn't matter how you start. What matters is how you finish. If you live a life of sin and on your deathbed you turn to Jesus, look at the thief on the cross, you'll be with Jesus. But if you walk with the Lord 40, 50, 60 years and lose your faith in the last decade, you've lost it all. Endings matter. We want to finish strong. We want to stay the course. 
This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. I can't tell you how blessed I feel to have the opportunity to talk to you each week. Your continued prayers and support are appreciated. And if you're willing, please share, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you so much.